Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this uh, breakout session on taking our anxious thoughts captive. And I just welcome you from Shawnee, Kansas. Uh, I'm John Godis, and I am pastor of Shawnee Bible Church in the Kansas City area. And it's good to have you join me here in my study. So obviously, convention is a different format this year, but we're making do with uh, what we can by using technology. And um, of course, it's not the same as being together in person. And uh, I feel like I've kind of been saying that a lot this year, uh, being the strange year that it has been. But uh, what a year to be talking about this topic, am I right? Uh, taking our anxious thoughts captive. A lot of people are um, seeking to make sense of what's going on and that this is a problem that is closer to home for many than um, maybe at other times and or other years definitely compared to, to last year, as far as our um, culture and our, our world events are going. But <clears throat> um, as you very well know, convention's theme this year is taking every thought captive. That's taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, where you know, Paul said this. He said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Paul's specific context here, as you remember, is that he was confronting false teachers in the church of Corinth, uh, that they were slandering him and wreaking spiritual havoc amongst this New Testament church. And he uses the imagery um, of battle and conflict and, and, you know, pulling down fortresses and that type of thing. And uh, really that imagery comes down to kind of the soul of the Christian life as conflict, as battle. Uh, the perennial conflict that all Christians always face is the fight to remain faithful to Christ. And we as a fellowship, we've taken on many of those conflicts and uh, we've been very clear to um, take our stand for the veracity of the Bible, for biblical creationism, for uh, biblical morality, and for numerous areas of biblical doctrine over the years. And we, see, we easily see the lines drawn for those type of conflicts, right? And, and uh, the fortresses that are erected by uh, our culture and, and by those that we would understand are, are not um, handling the Word of God accurately and in a consistent way. But um, I, I want to, us to remember and to think through today that this line of taking thoughts captive, destroying fortresses, all this, it's a line that also runs right through our minds. Uh, the, the battle isn't just out there, but the battle is also in uh, our own walk with Christ in our minds as well, that, that we must be destroying fortresses, taking thoughts captive in our own minds. And in this area of anxiety, I think this is, a very real uh, battle, a very real area that uh, we need to give attention to with this regard. So our, our seminar title is Taking Our Anxious Thoughts Captive. In this seminar, we're going to connect the dots between our convention theme and how that relates to worry and anxiety. When anxiety comes upon us, it feels like really that we are the captive, that, that it just kind of comes and 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 takes us captive. However, the Bible makes it very clear that we, 
we ought to um, be doing the opposite. We ought to be taking these uh, these thoughts captive. We are more than conquerors uh, through Christ who strengthens us over this uh, common problem. This lets you know a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a pastor here at Shawnee Bible Church, and I also head up our counseling ministry. And I'm uh, certified with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and I have my master's degree from Calvary University in uh, biblical counseling. And it is my joy and my challenge to be involved in this ministry on a regular basis of seeking to come alongside people in the, the problems that they're facing and uh, whether their their struggles with sin or whether they're they're wrestling with um, suffering that they're facing in their life, um, it, this is a ministry that that God um, has really um, challenged me and equipped me for. I, I trust and and I'm always learning new things. And so uh, this type of uh, talk and this type of topic is um, kind of right up my alley. I enjoy studying these things and seeking to bring clarity from God's word to help people uh, in in such areas, but. When it comes to anxiety and worry, the short of it is that we feel anxious at the prospect of, of losing something. The, the prospect of losing something is what causes uh, uh, fear and anxiety, worry. Think about all the things that we have been tempted to um, feel worrisome or anxious about this year. All the things we've been tempted to um, to respond in an unbiblical way at the prospect of losing certain things. How about losing our health, losing our retirement or investments, uh, losing employment, losing freedom, losing control, losing security. You know, and a, a topic like this can kind of tend to be hypothetical of all, oh, you know, big things going on out there uh, in the world that we might, you might be worried about. But, um, um, what I find is that the things I'm worried about are more closer to home. What's going on in my ministry? What's going on in my home? What's going on in, in my sense of um, how things are going with those right around me? So um, we have those big things we can talk about, and that might be worrisome for some, but, but other things will be worrisome for others. So this is a problem that is not very monolithic in that, like, you know, we all kind of struggle with the same things. It's, it's kind of a very personal um, struggle. Uh, the thoughts that we need to take captive are going to be probably very personal thoughts for us. And uh, that helps us, um, encourage us to really get to know those that we're trying to help with this problem, to gather the data and to get to know them, to get to know their problem so that, uh, so that we can, <clears throat> so we can help them. Or you know what, if, if today, if we're not struggling with anxiety or worry, it's something that we could be struggling with tomorrow. Or if it's not us that is struggling, it might be a loved one or some loved ones that are struggling with it. So I really don't think that there's any of us that could say that this topic is irrelevant. Um, there are many of many um, different ways that it would come in contact with us that it would cross our path. So regardless of exactly how we view the current events going on, this is a great time. It's always a great time to equip us to deal with this problem in our own souls and to help others deal with it uh, in, in theirs. I want you to have your Bible um, handy with you as we go through this uh, breakout session today. Have a notebook handy as well. There actually is um, a handout for you also that goes along with this uh, talk, with the seminar, and there should be some, um, 
some instructions included as to where you can access that. But I did submit a handout for this, so please be looking for that as well to get all the points and the scriptures and, and everything you might need. You know, normally when we come to the Bible and we want to know about a particular issue, how to, how to deal with it, there's rarely just one passage that kind of has it all, and it's just one package that helps us to wrestle with everything we need to know with regard to a problem like worry. And uh, at our church, we, we value um, expository preaching, as, as many of you do, and we value biblical theology and systematic theology, and um, we value coming to the whole Bible when it comes to a problem like this and, and realizing well, what do we need to gather from the various parts of the Bible to fully, adequately deal with this problem. And I just want to share with you as we're starting here what I call the theological pyramid. Whenever we talk about something like anxiety and worry, we're talking about the very top of this pyramid. We're talking about practical theology. We're talking about how can I take these anxious thoughts captive? How can I overcome my worry and not be overcome by it? That's a practical theology matter. But notice that we don't start um, or we don't automatically arrive at a biblical um, God-honoring way of dealing with this problem if we don't have all of these other areas. If we don't have a clear sense of the canon of Scripture, its inspiration, its inerrancy, its authority, its sufficiency, and, but, but also hermeneutics. How do we understand hermeneutics and uh, exegesis? How do we understand, how do we interpret the Bible? How do we study it to know um, what it says and, and to know God's heart on the matter? But all of these things, they, start, they, they build up to biblical theology, biblical doctrine that as we study the scriptures, there is um, clear um, teaching that emerges, right? The, the Bible isn't just this, this, um, this book of stories that just kind of, you know, is, is kind of nice and neat and whatnot. But, but no, it, the Bible drives at teaching sound doctrine. It drives at teaching biblical theology. But the more we study biblical theology and what the various parts of the Bible all teach, we, we can systematize that. And we see that there's a comprehensive, organized fashion in that the Bible teaches and deals with things. And, and so that's the next level. And then finally, the top is practical theology, that all of this um, reaches the point of, of bringing the gospel to bear that, that we believe the gospel, that we are saved. And then after we're saved, that then we change and we grow and, and, and we realize how we can have victory over even problems like um, anxiety and worry. So we never want to divorce our practical theology from all these other areas. And another thing we want to avoid is actually doing all of these other things but never getting to practical theology. Um, both of those are problems that we must guard against and we must be competent. Um, in all of these areas as well. So that's, that's a conviction I'm coming from. That's why I, I, I'm, I trust I'm coming from a, a solid uh, biblical foundation for what I'm about to share. But uh, we must have this foundation when it comes to anxiety and fear. Because there are all manner of um, um, therapies out there. There are all manner of ways of understanding the problem and, um, and, and what's going on. And um, I, I should just give this little caveat, too, that, you know, sometimes there are um, legitimate um, medical things at play. And um, we always encourage people, when in doubt, check it out. Um, so, so please don't hear me saying that. I'm saying that there's not a place for that. That's not what I'm saying. 
But um, kind of with the garden variety um, um, issues that we face, uh, we are um, very often, our anxiety can get and our worry can get to a very uh, fever pitch and get to a big place where, where there's, there's been a pattern of that for some time. And, and we're not knowing how to break the cycle. We're not knowing how to break up what's going on here. And it's become, it becomes uh, a, a huge problem for us. But, but scripture speaks to that. And so um, we want to be, we, we be clear about that. So the problem comes in, though, with um, our, our um, <coughs> uh, other forms of counseling, that type of thing, is that um, often the, the sad thing that can happen is that the, the, the professionals, medical professionals, uh, they are really committed right now, at least to the, the biomedical model, where there's really not the time taken to really get to know what's going on in a person's life, what are they facing, what, what are their thoughts, and, and everything going into this. And uh, kind of unfortunately, what happens is that um, um, in, in about 10 minutes, sometimes even less than 10 minutes, they get a prescription, and well, this is your problem, this is your solution, and then they're sent off with it. And, and we as biblical counselors, we, we do not give any medical advice. First of all, let me say that. But, but we really caution against such a, um, such a uh, uh, um, kind of a cavalier way of, of dealing with that, that, that it's not that simple. Our problems with, with anxiety, depression, other distressing emotions, it's not that simple that we just need a pill. And we're not saying there's never the need for that, but it, it's not that simple that you just go sit down and, and they mark you down and, and they give you the pill and, and, and then you have everything you need. Um, let me also say too that I never tell people, hey, you know, you need to get off your medication. I never say that. I always encourage them, go back to your physician, talk with them about this. And, uh, but I'm helping them to think through what are their resources and their thinking, uh, what are their spiritual resources to deal with the problem of anxiety. So a bunch of caveats there, some things to be aware of. But when we talk about how to deal with anxiety and worry, from a biblical perspective, uh, what do we need to be aware of? And uh, first of all, I think uh, we take anxious thoughts captive by learning to see them as God sees them. And this is something that only the Church of Jesus Christ is seeking to do today. Only those of us that have a high view of Scripture are seeking to be clear about um, how we ought to view anxiety and worry from God's perspective. In other words, what we're saying is that we need to understand how God's word um, talks about this problem. And uh, the Bible has specific terms. It, it has specific concrete terms for worry, for fear. There's a lot of overlap between these terms. And um, fear seems to be something more immediate, that it's something it's, it's right before you. It's something coming upon you right now. Uh, and that's the emotion you feel with regard to that. Whereas worry is much more of a, a focus on the future. Worry is a focus upon tomorrow. Worry is focusing upon the potential things that might be coming, uh, becoming our way. But <clears throat> let's talk about these uh, biblical words here just a little bit. The Bible's word for worry is merimnao, is the, the Koine Greek term. It's a generally translated as worry or anxiety, and it means expending unduly concerned thought based upon apprehension and possible danger or misfortune. Look at the words here. Uh, apprehension, um, um, possible danger, unduly concerned thinking. Oftentimes the problem with worry is that it's too intense. We have some type of concern that we're, we're, we're taking it to an intense level that, that, is, that is crossing a line. 
And here's the most telling thing about worry in the Bible, is that whenever it's mentioned in the Bible, it is forbidden. Um, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, says this, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. But on to verse 31. He says, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? On to verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. And obviously the classic passage in Philippians 4, 6 also, where Paul said, be anxious for, for, for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be in that state of worry and anxiety. This is a forbidden state. God does not want us to be in this state. And we're going to talk about that, uh, why it is a problem. Why is worry forbidden? Because it is a problem. Uh, we need to have this conviction. In order to see worry as God sees it, we need to have the conviction that worry is a problem. Worry is an overconcerned focus upon the future that often keeps us from fulfilling our biblical responsibilities in the present. In short, worry is a problem because it keeps us from being faithful. And that's where the problem comes in. It's a problem because worry keeps us from being faithful. It keeps us from fulfilling our responsibility to, to love God and to love neighbor. Uh, we must remember and keep this this higher motivation in view when we want to deal with our anxiety and worry because our ultimate high uh, motivation must be that we want to be faithful. We want to be faithful to our God. We want to love our God. We want to love our neighbor. And if we don't have that, that solid biblical foundation and motivation in our hearts, we're not going to stand a chance to not be overcome by worry. So we need to, again, this whole point, first point, is to see worry and anxiety as God sees it. And God sees it as a problem because it often leads us to neglect our biblical responsibilities. So that's how God sees worry. But how does God see fear? When the Bible talks about fear in the New Testament, it's this word phobos, uh, the most prevalent New Testament term. Um, it's an emotion we experience in anticipation of some specific danger or pain, and it makes us want to flee or fight. Uh, fear very much gets us to the moment of action. You know, worry kind of builds and builds and, and, and kind of causes us to lock up. But fear is something more immediate that we've gotten to the point that we are either going to run or we're going to put on our gloves and we're going to fight and we're going to do something. So, so fear is it's a very interesting emotion that God has given us uh, because God has created us to experience, uh, these, uh, to experience this emotion. And um, we get our English word phobia from this Greek word. Notice that this word is, again, kind of a focus upon more of the immediate future, what's happening. Um, uh, fear is an emotion that causes our hearts to get loud and to get clamorous and uh, uh, noisy, and it motivates us to run or to do battle. Uh, fear motivates us to act. Unlike worry, which is always forbidden in the Bible, which we talked about, fear is actually not necessarily always wrong. Fear is not always forbidden. Um, fear is a much more generic term in, in the Bible, in the New Testament. In, it indicates in a, an emotion God has created us to experience, and this emotion can have a, a constructive or a sinful effect. You know, if fear causes us to flee or fight, um, it, it all depends upon the context and, and why we're fearful that, that will determine if it is uh, a um, a good fear, uh, godly fear, or sinful fear, right? Uh, simply put, fear is ungodly 
when it keeps us from loving God and neighbor. That is when it uh, causes us to neglect our biblical responsibility. That's when fear is ungodly. When, 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 I, when fear causes me to run, when I should stay, or when it causes me to fight, when I should run. Um, uh, and, and in that situation, I would not be loving God or not loving my neighbor. I would not be fulfilling my biblical responsibilities. Then I know my fear is ungodly. Conversely, fear is godly when it motivates us to love God and love neighbor to fulfill our biblical responsibilities. You know, just give a little practical example. In one situation, fear might motivate me to, to um, run away from a brother that I, I, I really need to have a conversation with, right? That I, that I avoid him, that I don't make eye contact, that I, that I, I just, I can't be around him. And if there's a situation where God's word would require me to go talk to him about something, um, especially if there's something not right between us or I see a sin as a, in his life, but, but my fear is keeping me from doing that. That is an ungodly fear. It's keeping me from loving God by obeying him and loving him by helping him to see uh, uh, the situation or seeking forgiveness or, or seeking to, for, to, to reprove him so that he'll ask for forgiveness, whatever it may be. So fear there would be an ungodly thing. However, um, fear may also motivate me to actually move toward him. Right, if if I if I have a healthy fear of God, that it's like you know what, God God would require me in this situation. God tells me, God commands me to go to my brother in this situation, and I don't want to I don't want to displease God. I fear displeasing God. That that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. Or or if you fear that 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 might that brother might um um you know get into trouble, or or he might um uh something bad might happen to him, or he might go headlong into sin or something. There can be a healthy fear that motivates us toward godly action. So again, fear can be, can be godly or ungodly. You know, ungodly fear is often clustered around several key themes in the Bible. And uh, the first one is, <clears throat> excuse me, the first one is the fear of man. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Uh, the fear of man. Uh, here's a great one from John 12, 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him and Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the, out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. What a sad commentary on these rulers, right? That they, they heard what Jesus was saying. They were like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I believe that. I think he's right. But their, their fear of being thrown out of the synagogue, which the flip side of that we saw here, that this isn't just an innocent thing, was that they loved the approval of man. Uh, that kept them from fulfilling their biblical responsibility, which was to confess Christ, which was to name him. Yes, I believe what he says. Yes, I'm a believer uh, uh, in, in Christ, or at least affirming that they, they believed what he said was true. So fear of man. Fear of man is a big theme in scripture um, with regard to ungodly fear. Here's another one, fear of losing temporal things. In Luke chapter 12, verse 4, Jesus said, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. Whenever I hear Jesus say that, I'm always kind of like, seriously? You know, Christ, Jesus, you expect me to get to the point of, that like, I would fear nothing uh, that anyone could do to me. Yeah, yeah, the worst they can do is kill me. Um, I think Jesus would say that, that ultimately, yes, if we had 
if we had a, a perfect, if our fear was calibrated perfectly, you know what? Our fear would be so focused that, that, that someone could even take our life, but, but we, could still, um, we could still function. We could still fulfill our biblical responsibilities. We could still be faithful to God. Remember, obviously, the, the next part of this passage is that Jesus says, um, fear him who can kill both body and soul uh, in, in judgment, essentially. Um, he's the one to, to fear. So, but fear of losing temporal things, fear of losing my reputation, fear of losing my popularity, fear of losing my possessions, fear of losing uh, uh, um, the, the praise of man, fear of losing my comfort, um, whatever, whatever it may be. All manner of um, temporal things can motivate us higher than actually our love for God and neighbor. <coughs> Excuse me. Here's just one more. Fear of circumstances outside of our control. This is a huge one. Uh, fear of circumstances outside of our control can very much be an ungodly uh, thing because how many of our circumstances are under our control? I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I realize like there's just really not that much that I am actually in control of. Uh, in, in Proverbs 3.25, it says, Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. Remember um, Cain, when he was talking to God, after God confronted him and, and cursed him or sent him away after killing his brother Abel. And Cain said, Behold, I have been driven this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So Cain had this, this fear that um, maybe not all of it in the situation was unwarranted, right? But, but ultimately, when we have a fear of, of again, like just the what ifs, what, what if this, you know, well, well, this might happen, this might happen. When, when, when that type of fear is present in our hearts, uh, it's, it's going to be an ungodly fear. <clears throat> now let me just give a couple caveats before we move on. Because again, this whole first point, how do we take our anxious thoughts captive? It's to, to see it as God sees it. But let me just provide four quick uh, caveats before we move on to the next thing. First of all, uh, ungodly fear is different from appropriate concern. Um, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 to, to 38, is Jesus when he's standing over Jerusalem and he says, he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you to myself as a hen would gather her chicks, but you were not willing. And, and, and Christ knew what was coming upon them, the destruction uh, upon the city coming in only a matter of decades. And Christ had an appropriate concern and care. You know, in an effort to not be fearful, we're not saying, okay, so care about nothing. No, that's, that is not the point at all. Ungodly fear is different from appropriate care and concern, most notably uh, lived out by our Lord. Another one is proper planning. <clears throat> You'll remember in James 4 where um, uh, he cautioned his uh, readers where he said, um, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city, we'll buy and sell, we'll get gain. And he says, but, but you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. He says, but you're boasting in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. So what James is saying is that when you plan without consulting the sovereignty of God, when you plan without a mentality of, as the Lord wills, I'll be able to do this, that that's what's wrong. But James would actually um, uphold that you know, proper planning is, is good. It's just that, that improper planning, that ungodly planning of that, I, I'm the captain of my own soul, 
that type of thing is, is what's wrong. So, so ungodly fear does not rule out, um, un, uh, does not rule out proper planning. Another thing, ungodly fear obviously does not uh, outrule the, the fear of God. We talked about that some already. In fact, the fear of God is what ultimately motivates our fear to be biblical. Uh, as a church right now, we're going through the book of Nehemiah. And um, it's just remarkable how Nehemiah uh, was kept from error. He was kept from stumbling. He was kept from doing stupid things when people were trying to trip him up and, and even kill him and ambush him and, and all this thing. But, but ultimately, it was the fear of God. It was his concern that he wanted to please God above all else that I think protected Nehemiah over and over again. So fear of God, believing what he says, um, wanting to please him, uh, um, seeing him as the ultimate judge, seeing him as the ultimate arbiter, seeing him as the ultimate power and sovereign to which I submit myself. Uh, that, that fear of God, those dynamics are going to lead us to, to life and to safety and to stability in our lives. Finally, ungodly fear is different from avoiding and protecting from uh, danger. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, the, uh, the temple, excuse me, uh, the Satan is uh, tempting Jesus, and he brings him out on the pinnacle of the temple. He says, throw yourself down. It's written that, that the angels will have charge over you. They will bear you up. And Jesus says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You know, don't, don't do things stupid out of uh, a desire to, to not give in to godly fear or something. Like, you know, it's, it's a false dichotomy to say that I perfectly trust God and, and then, then run out and, and do something dumb. Know that there's going to be consequences and, and there's proper concern to avoid and protect against danger. The, the Bible uh, fully recognizes that. <clears throat> So all of these things are important. How do, we, how do we see anxiety and worry and fear? We, we want to see it as God sees it. That's the first thing. Secondly, uh, we take our anxious thoughts captive by learning to believe that God cares. By learning to believe that God cares. We need to be aware that ungodly fear and worry always comes from some level of believing that God doesn't care. So, some level of doubting that that God cares. You know, we can't be worrying about things if we're perfectly um, trusting in God's goodness, if we're perfectly aware that God cares, if we're living in, in perfect harmony with that truth that we know, uh, uh, it's impossible for us to be anxious because anxiety has to do with what we think, what's going on in our mind. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, <clears throat> we should really view the, the presence of worry and sinful fear, we should view it as a smoke detector. Um, a smoke detector goes off when there's a problem. A smoke detector um, um, alerts us to, to the, the fact that something wrong is going on. Our emotions, our intense emotions, are, are like a smoke detector. When they go off, that's a sign to us that something is going off, something is going on in our thinking in our believing, in our desiring, in our, in our hearts. Remember, worry and fear have everything to do with what we think and believe about the future. Worry and, and anxiety have everything to do with what we think and feel and believe about the future. We believe and think and feel that God cares when it comes to our 
future. This year, have we been thinking and believing that God cares about our futures? The reason we know that God is trustworthy and that he will care for us in the future is because he has cared for us in the past. You know, God cares so deeply to the point that he humbled himself in the incarnation to deliver believers from fear. Uh, Turn with me to the book of Hebrews in this uh, remarkable passage in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, where the writer says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, and he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. And then he goes on. But he talks about here that God cared so deeply to the point that that God the Son humbled himself to be incarnated, to, to come and to, to enter our mess in order to, de- to, uh, de- to deliver believers from fear. That he might render him powerless who had the power of death, that is the devil. That he might free those <clears throat> who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. You know, worry and anxiety are such a slavery to us. There's not freedom in worry and anxiety, but there's slavery. But when we look at God, when we look at the incarnation, when we look at the gospel, God cared to incarnate himself into our messy world. As we seek to help others in the the suffering that they're going through, we seek to incarnate ourselves as well, to to join them, to get to know them, to to serve them, to help them, to protect them, all these things. And, 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 that we can only do that imperfectly compared to God who does it perfectly. God cares. When we look at on the past upon the gospel, do we see, do we trust that God cares? Secondly, God cares deeply to the point that he gave of himself to provide true freedom for fear, uh, from, uh, for fear for believers. He gave of himself. John 14, verse 27, again, Jesus Uh, incarnated himself. He was with his disciples. He entered their mess. He ultimately brought redemption. But as he's preparing them for when he's going to leave in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. Not, not, not anxiety, not worry where we're just uh, so concerned and worried and running around haphazardly. No, Jesus says to his followers, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. <clears throat> do not let your heart be troubled. But that's the same as saying, take your anxious thoughts captive. Uh, our, our hearts need to, be, uh, need to be wrestled. They need to be uh, quieted. They need to be simmered down. But Jesus is the one who gives us that peace because he cares, because he gives of himself. Obviously, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, in, in John 14, 15, and 16 also. There's so much about the Spirit that God has given us a helper. Um, and Galatians 5 being that whole process of when we, uh, when, we, when we walk in the Spirit on the level of our desires, uh, not, not in the desires of the flesh, but the desires of the Spirit, peace is a fruit of that. Not anxiety and worry, but peace is a fruit of that. So we take our anxious thoughts captive by learning all these dynamics, learning to live out of the fact that and believe uh, above all else that God cares. God cares. 
hasn't left us as orphans. But third, we take uh, anxious thoughts captive by learning what's really going on in our hearts. And this is building upon what we've been talking about. We pointed this out before, but the best way we can understand our emotions biblically is to view them as smoke alarms. Uh, smoke alarms or smoke detectors, they, they, they disrupt our normal activities. They, they wake us up. They, they, they call us to the point that we must act. We must do something. Uh, they make us uncomfortable. But what smoke alarms do is they save us from loss. They save us from further loss. They, they save us from staying in a dangerous situation. Worry is a smoke alarm which should cause us to wake up and learn what is going on in our hearts. There's something going on in our hearts when we have distressing emotions like worry and anxiety, even depression, anger, uh, all these things, impatience. You know, think about, <clears throat> think about this. Think about uh, the couple that it's, it's been a long day. And it's a long day at the office for him, and he just really wants to get some rest, and it's been a long day for her. It was, it was a full day with, with uh, the kids, and she's a stay-at-home mom. And, but then they had the, the youth soccer game in the evening, which they had that, and they were kind of running, had to make food, all this. And they finally get to the end of the day, and they, they finally climb into bed, and it's just like that, you know that moment I'm talking about of just, oh, finally, rest. And they, they pray together and they, they, they go to sleep. And, and um, at, at 1 a.m., all of a sudden, uh, uh, a smoke detector starts going off in the hallway upstairs. And, and, but they're both, they, I mean, they got to bed late. They got to bed about midnight. And so they've only been asleep for about an hour. And, and all of a sudden, this smoke detector is going off. And they're just, they kind of groggy. They come to it. And, but, but they're just irritated. They're like, they want their sleep. They want their rest. It's been a long day. They got another long day tomorrow. They want their rest, and, and the smoke detector's going off. I mean, what's the deal with that? And so they, 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 they cover their ears with their pillows, and they just try to make it go away, and, but, but it's not going away. It keeps going, and, and it, it's frustrating to them. And, and, and finally, he, the husband gets out of bed and goes to the hallway, and, and he, he tears the, the smoke detector off the wall, and he takes the batteries out and throws it on the, on the, the floor and goes back to bed. And, doesn't take too long before all of a sudden another smoke detector starts going off. And dad said, final straw. He gets out of bed. He, he goes down and he, this one is at the bottom of the stairs. He grabs that one and, and, and grabs his, his boots, his, his uh, uh, steel toe boots, and just starts smashing the thing because he wants a night of rest. He, wants, he doesn't want to be bothered by this smoke detector going off. So he goes back up to bed. Well, how foolish of a situation is this, right? If the smoke detector is going off, the point is not to get the smoke detector turned off. The point is to, that there's probably a problem. I need to check this out. If, there's probably good reason if smoke detectors, especially if two smoke detectors are going off, that, that it, it causes you to go look for the problem. And our emotions are the same way. They're constructive in that way. They're helpful in that way. There is so much that we learn about um, ourselves when we uh, are, are feeling anxious and when we're feeling worried. In fact, first of all, we need to learn from our worry and fear what we really think about God. When we find worry and fear dominating us, it's an important time to learn about what we really think and believe about God. Lou Priolo, in his uh, little booklet, Fear, Breaking Its Grip, says this, 
Fear is sinful when it attributes to God characteristics that are inconsistent with his perfect nature. When Christians are afraid, it almost certainly is because they have misconceptions about God. Again, the smoke detector is going off, but the smoke detector isn't the problem. There's something that's causing that. So when we want to learn about what we think about God, we ask ourselves questions. We ask, do we really believe that God can be trusted? Do we really believe that he loves us? Do we really believe that he is powerful? Do we really believe he is sovereign? Do we really believe he is a good father? When we struggle with anxiety and, and worry, it's, it's a time for soul searching. It's a time to go back and to take stock of, what do I need to learn about what I really think about God? Do I find myself constantly thinking uh, or, or doubting that, that he is good, that he can be trusted, that, that he is powerful? <clears throat> You know, our fear and our worry, they often expose what our actual working and practice theology really is. You know, we have our professed theology that we know what to say if we're asked the question in Sunday school. Oh, yeah, we'll say that. But that doesn't mean that we've actually learned that theology. But if I've had to go through something uh, uh, very worrisome, <clears throat> a big problem, and I come out the other side and I know firsthand now what it means that God is good even in the midst of loss and in a worrisome situation, that's where the gap starts to close between my professed theology and my practiced theology. In fact, we should always assume that there is a gap between what we, what we practice and what we profess. We should just assume that. And when we find that we're, we're battling with worry and anxiety, it's a good time to take stock of that and to learn from that where else we need to grow. We need to learn from our worry and fear what we really think about ourselves, uh, what we really um, desire and, and think about ourselves. Do we view ourselves as forgiven children of God? Uh, do we believe that nothing can separate us from God's love? Do we really believe that about ourselves? Are, are we glad to just be regarded as God's servants? You know, I don't, I don't, have, to be, uh, 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 I don't have to be the Savior. I don't have to be um, the, the hero. I don't have to be, you know, the one that's making it all happen. But, but I am a servant of the Most High that I have these responsibilities that I just need to worry about today. And I just need to fulfill those today. And, uh, and there's freedom in that. But really view myself just as one of God's children, as God's one of, one of God's servants. Uh, it should cause us to ask ourselves, what's my life really all about? And, and, and is my life about my plan or is it about God's plan? Because we know that my plan is probably the wheels are going to fall off of it. We know that there's going to be holes in it. We know there's going to be problems with it. But, but, but God's plan is always perfect. God's plan is good. And God's plan cannot be thwarted. I cannot lose uh, uh, the, the, the good things that God is working into my life because of his plan. Do I also view and see that there is great payoff in my life uh, due to the fact that I become more like Christ when I go through different things? Is, is there a payoff in that, that, that the ultimate thing that's happening in my life is like, you know, the ultimate thing right now is not that I'm trying to save up to buy my own home. I'm trying to do that, and it's slow going, let me tell you. But, but that's, that's, not, that's not the thing that's progressing in my life. That's not the goal that's ultimately being fulfilled in my life. The goal that is being fulfilled in my life 
is, is that I would become more like Christ. Do I see that? Do I desire that? Do I, do I delight in that? Do I, do I long to see progress in that? Because I will not be disappointed. I, will, I cannot lose that if I'm cooperating with God in my, in my sanctification. <clears throat> Finally, learn from worry and fear what you really think about others. Two questions we could ask ourselves, I think, is what are you afraid of people doing to you or doing for you? What are you afraid that someone may do to you? Um, that, that's something that can fuel our, our anxiety. And it kind of goes back to what Jesus said. He said, don't fear those who can kill the body, but afterward they have nothing they can do. Uh, uh, whom shall I fear? Or what can man do to me? Uh, but another question is, what are you afraid of people not doing for you or, or doing to you? You know, so often our, our anxieties can be based upon the fact that we're looking to someone else to give us what only God can give us. And yes, that's going to cause anxiety. Yes, that's going to cause fear because ultimately others are sinners and they, they are going to fail us. They're going to sin against us. There's going to be heartache and disappointment, unfulfilled longing when it comes to uh, the things of this world and others within this world. So there's much that we can learn about God, about ourselves, about others, when it comes to uh, when the smoke alarm is going off of, of worry and anxiety. You know, what's the point of all this self-searching in our hearts? is so that we can see clearly in order to repent on the level of our desires and thinking. Do you realize that, that change never happens, true change never happens until it happens on the level of our desires and our thinking? Again, repentance is just merely to, to change, to go the opposite direction. And I don't know about you, but I don't assume that, uh, that my heart is squeaky clean, and that I've got nothing, no desires, no thoughts to repent of. In fact, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I'm realizing all the disoriented, um, idolatrous desires that are alive and well within my heart that I'm easily uh, tempted to trust in other things more than God. I'm easily tempted to delight in other things more than God. And, and my worry that, that helps me to get back to seeing what's really going on in my heart so that I can uh, shine the light of God's word upon that and do business with God. Do business with God with the faulty views and desires of God, self, and others that, that are really in my heart that I was not aware of before. If anxiety is the, the smoke detector, then the fire are these things with regard to how we view God, ourselves, and others. So we've talked about um, the third thing here, that we take anxious thoughts captive by learning what's really going on in our hearts. But finally, the final thing I share is this, that we take anxious thoughts captive by learning practical steps to trust God, learning practical steps to trust in God and, and to delight in God. I might add to that. But uh, I just want to share the 10 R's of trusting God. Uh, 10 words that begin with R that I think just help to focus and, and give us plenty to, um, to ponder, plenty to practice, plenty to um, apply. Uh, numerous resources. You know, when we're facing worry and, and anxiety, we often kind of have one, maybe two arsenals or one maybe two weapons, one maybe two bullets in our gun, but uh, I would say there are, there are 10 things, or 10 bullets that we probably need um, uh, 
in order to have enough ammunition to take on, to take out the problem of anxiety and worry in our hearts. The first one, very practical thing, <clears throat> is that we can record anxious feelings, thoughts, desires, words, and actions, write them down, uh, get them on paper, and analyze them in light of God's word in order to um, categorize them as either godly concern or ungodly worry. We talked about that some. But there's something about you know, really taking the time to slow down, to evaluate, to, to write down what are my anxious thoughts? What are the desires that, that I fear, uh, this thing that I desire and now I fear and I'm anxious about losing, what are those things? Write them out. Get them on paper. Get them in front of you. Uh, uh, there's a saying in biblical counseling that we like to use that change doesn't happen in fuzzy land. Change never happens in fuzzy land. And so often what happens with our worry and anxiety is that we're, we're running scared with anxiety happening all around us. We're caught in the cycle and we haven't taken the time to really get down to what is going on in my heart? What is going on in my life? How am I processing these things? How am I, uh, uh, am I really aware of all the things that are going on? So, so record those things. Write them out. Get them in front of you. Another thing, <clears throat> once you evaluate those biblically, um, get, down to, get down to the heart. Uh, repenting of habits of unbelief, doubt. Uh, probably the biggest one for us of, of disoriented desire. We kind of more of the reality of that would be our idolatrous desires, things that we're tempted to trust in or to delight in that, that we want that, that we're going to get something from that, that experience or that possession or that person. Uh, 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 and, and now that's being threatened. And that's why I'm feeling anxious. Like we need to get down to that level and, and repent and change our thinking and realize that, that we have been going in a direction that we probably weren't aware of before, but now we are, and we need to change and go in uh, a different, different direction. Take that to God. Speak with him about that. Confess that to him. Live in the freedom of the gospel, of complete forgiveness and no condemnation in Christ. <clears throat> Another one. Remind yourself over and over again, about the temporal nature of many fears and worries. You know, there's so much in Matthew chapter 6 that we could talk about. But in verse 25, Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Often we get stuck in a rut of just seeing these temporal things as much more um, much more uh, significant than they are, right? Uh, remind yourself over and over again of the temporal nature of things. The things that we worry about, by and large, are temporal things. Because it's temporal things that, that there's the danger of losing, right? We lose physical security. We lose relationships. We lose comfort. We lose um, um, provision or, or whatever it may be. But... Think about the eternal things, the, the, the non-temporal things that we cannot lose. Um, so we've got to be careful what we're focusing upon. Remind yourself over and over again of the temporal nature of those things. Also, reflect over and over again upon God's faithfulness in providing for all his creation. In uh, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said this in Matthew 6 said, uh, and why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. 
They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Uh, verse 30, but if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Reflect over and over again upon God's faithfulness in providing for all his creation. God is faithful in that. We may not get everything we want, but does God provide for our needs? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Reflect upon that. Also, remain close to your sympathetic high priest. Remain close to your sympathetic high priest. Back in, um, back in Hebrews, another chapter very familiar to you, but Hebrews chapter 4, and verses uh, 15 and, or 14 and 15, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. How often does worry and anxiety tempt us to jettison our confession, to, to, to blow our testimony, to forget trusting in God? But let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Remain close to your sympathetic high priest. When we feel worry and anxiety, we are just, we're tempted to isolate and to run. We're tempted to give up on prayer. We're tempted to uh, uh, remove ourselves from the, the fellowship of the saints, from Christ's body. Don't do that. Remain close. You know, the temptation when we go through these things is the things that make us anxious is to think that, you know, no one else has to face this. Why do I have to face this? It is not true. First and foremost, Jesus faced it. And this is a profound thought that I hang on to a lot of time is that, you know, no one has ever suffered more than Jesus. No one has ever suffered more than Jesus. And I can say that because the very wrath of God was poured out upon him for the sin of the world. You and I have no idea what that's like. We can't even begin to comprehend what that's like. Jesus knows. Jesus cares. Jesus has experienced a profound loss of being separated from the Father. Uh, while he was being judged for us. And remain close to him. He knows what it's like. Don't, don't, don't judge uh, your sympathetic high priest that he is lofty. He's out there. He doesn't care. He, you know, uh, uh, he doesn't know what it's like. No, he does. You know, another thing with this we might add is, is remain close to his body. Uh, again, we're tempted to think no one else has gone through this, but, but 2 Corinthians 1 would say no, that the comfort we received, we're able to comfort others. Um, and also of, of uh, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. It's one of the, the spirals of our anxiety and worry is that we start to begin to believe that, that no one else has had to go through this. No one else has had to face this. No one else has come out the other side, but, but they have. So remain close. Don't, don't run. Don't go away. Don't, don't give up on these things. Remain close to your high priest. Remain close to to his people in your thinking, in your prayer, uh, and in your presence with, with uh, your church family. Another one, rejoice in your identity in Christ. Romans 8, there's just, everything's in Romans 8. I love Romans 8. But uh, if you think about it, our identity in Christ is that we have been placed in Christ. Um, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You follow the whole chapter and um, Nothing can separate us from the love of God 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in that. Oftentimes when we rejoice in other things, the temporal things that we can lose, when we lose them or when they are threatened, that's when our anxiety bursts upon the scene. But, but if we are truly rejoicing in our identity in Christ, get this, that identity can never be taken away from us. That good plan, that good work that God is doing in us can never be taken away from us. Rejoice in that, delight in that, meditate upon that, desire that above all else. Focus upon that. Again, so often when we find ourselves dominated by anxiety, our minds are all over the place. They're not focused. They're thinking about this and that and tomorrow and what might happen. And, but, but focus and rejoice in your identity in Christ. In fact, the anxious things we go through, that's all about conforming us to the image of Christ. That's all about building into the most precious thing we have. So we need this perspective. Another thing, recognize the wasteful nature of worry and fear. This is kind of funny. I mean, not when we're going through it, but in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, <laughs> Jesus says, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? It, it doesn't, worry doesn't accomplish anything. In fact, I think that's a, a profound lie about worry, is that we think, well, if, if I worry about the situation, that means that I'm doing something about it. That means that, that I care that means that, that I'm not lazy because I'm worrying about it. But, but th there's such a, a lie in that. Again, worry is forbidden. Worry is concern that has crossed the line. We need to remember that we need to recognize the wasteful nature of fear and worry, ungodly fear and worry. It's wasteful. It doesn't accomplish anything. Jesus says, you, uh, uh, who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? The obvious answer being no one. None of you can do that. None of you can add a single hour by worrying. So reflect upon the wasteful nature of it. It's not productive. Now, that's a lie that we can easily believe. Another one, rely upon God in prayer. Hebrews 4.16, um, let, us, let us draw boldly, boldly to, the, to the throne of grace that we may find grace to help in time of need. Rely upon God in prayer. Um, use all the things we talked about to inform your prayers God. Oftentimes our prayers are so anemic. We don't realize everything that's going on in our hearts and, 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 and all of the scripture that can come to bear to um, help us to pray um, sincerely in situations. Rely upon God in prayer. Um, resist spiritual unfaithfulness and irresponsibility. Again, remember, worry is a problem because it tempts us to be unfaithful. It, it, attempt, it attempts us even to be irresponsible or to not fulfill our biblical responsibilities. But Jesus says, in Matthew 6, 33 and 34, um, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What are all these things? All the things that we worry about. They will be added to us. God will take care of it. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Resist spiritual unfaithfulness and irresponsibility. That's all that worry ultimately leads to. Finally, uh, reinvest in loving God and loving your neighbor rather than focusing upon what you might lose. You know, again, that, that's the spiral of fear and anxiety is that we begin to just focus upon, I might lose this, I might lose this, I don't want to lose this. But <clears throat> when we focus upon that, again, we're not going to be loving God and neighbor, but we're going to be loving ourselves if that's ultimately what we're concerned about. But conversely, 
in First John four eighteen, uh, John makes the point that um, perfect love casts out fear, and this is what he means by that. When we are so focused upon loving God, loving neighbor, that's going to cast out fear. We're not going to have time to fear. Actually, we're we're, we're not going to have the focus upon what we might lose. But we're going to have a focus upon what can we give, and that's going to help us to. Um, Take our anxious thoughts captive. If we're, not, um, uh, if we're not desiring that, if we're not reinvesting in our love for God and neighbor, we don't stand a chance of not being taken captive and not being overcome by our fear and anxiety. Well, all of these things, um, you know, God expects us to learn these over time. This is not something that we say, you know, hey, you learn you, you, you learned this talk or you heard this talk on fear and anxiety, so, so no, now go out and do these things. No, that's not it. Uh, we recognize that. And in, in counseling, biblical counseling, so often it's this, it's this problem of learning these things one step at a time. Well, what, what can you learn this week? What can, what's one thing you can take today and focus upon? And then just maybe focus on something else tomorrow. And, and we, we ultimately cooperate with God in our sanctification, but he is ultimately the one that brings us along and works his good will in us for his, his glory. You know, I remember some time ago talking to a fellow Christian and she was just really discouraged um, about um, this whole problem of anxiety and worry. And she said, it, it just sounds so trite when people say, well, you need to trust God. If you're, if you're worried, you just need to trust God. And I agree with her. I think that does sound trite. Now, I think it sounds trite, but I think that there's a, that's still a, basically a true statement. The problem comes in when we're not able to unpack what that means. We're not able to come alongside someone and help them to trust God with all the things we've been talking about. Helping them to see the problem as God sees it. Um, helping them to see their own hearts in the situation. Helping to learn about God themselves, others, um, and, 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 and ultimately... Um, um, ultimately um, learning to take practical steps to, to trust God, um, learning to believe that God cares. All these things go into learning what it means to trust God. And again, it takes time. It's not one thing that it's like someone struggles with anxiety, so we say, all right, well, go out and trust God, and it'll go away. It's not that simple. We need to be skillful. We need to be competent to come alongside those who struggle. So I pray this material is helpful. I pray that it gives you plenty to think about. Um, can I just say by reason of personal testimony that I used to be a very anxious person. And it's been a, a process of several years of learning these things. Um, I used to be so concerned all the time of um, really kind of that, that problem of fear of man. Now I would worry about um, offending people or failing people. I was uh, worrying about conflict. I would worry about letting people down. I would worry about looking or sounding stupid. And um, it's been just a number of years that God has just really uh, shown me so much about my heart. God has um, brought um, reassurance. God has brought repentance. God has brought just a wholeness that, not, not to where I never struggle. I have my days, believe me. Um, but I've been equipped with, with God's resources, every good thing that I need for life and godliness, to take my anxious thoughts captive. And it's possible. May we all be equipped to help those around us with this common problem. And um, may God just use us for his glory. That is my prayer.
So I thank you so much for joining me for this session. It's definitely not everything that we could have covered, but hopefully it covers the bases and gives you plenty of material to wrestle with your own heart and to be uh, used as an instrument, as an ambassador of Christ in the lives of others. Thanks again for joining me. I appreciate it. And I pray that God will bless you. Thanks.